I'm Rick. I'm Ramy. This is John. And this is Say the X. Where two anime virgins and one super fan watch Hunter x Hunter episode by episode. This podcast contains spoilers, so if you want to avoid them, watch along with us. Episode 6, A Surprising Challenge. Our heroes reunite at Visca Forest Preserve, the site of the second phase of the Hunter exam. The Oreo, a little worse for wear, but mostly okay. After a short wait, the second phase begins. The examiners are a young woman named Minchi and a very large man named Bahara. Minchi and Bahara announce that the second phase challenge will be cooking, as they are gourmet hunters. Which is met with derision and laughter and scoffs. Uh, the examiners push on and send the applicants out to hunt pigs for a pork dish. The only pigs in the forest are huge carnivorous great stamp. They set on the applicants who are powerless against them. Eventually, Gon finds out that the pigs can be killed with a strike to the forehead. Following his lead, the applicants return to the second phase of the kitchens and start to roast their pigs. Buhara enjoys all of the meat, and I mean all of the meat, and Menshi only eats one bite from one dish and then decides to fail everyone. Toto the wrestler, who we last saw in the third episode, loses his cool and rushes the examiners. He is smacked into the air by Buhara, who is worried Menshi would have killed Toto otherwise. The chairman of the Hunters Association, Netero, appears. Menshi admits she had been angered by the applicant's behavior and agrees to a different exam, one she must participate in. They fly to Split Mountain on Netero's airship. She dives into the huge ravine that splits the mountain and retrieves a spider eagle egg floating back to the surface on an updraft. Some applicants balk. Some fall into the ravine, too impatient for the updraft. Forty-two applicants, including our four heroes, successfully complete Phase 2 and eat their delicious eggs. Okay, so can we talk about Natero's um, entrance? Hell yes, we can. Okay, that was the anime-ass anime scene of the episode. I mean, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, without I, a I, doubt. I, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I actually want to throw this to John real fast. Was the animation of the smoke as cool as it looks? Yeah, yeah. Effects work on this show is, is good in general, and effects work in most anime is really of a high quality. Um, sometimes it's low frame rate, but it's, it's always got a lot of flair and a lot of design. That's where, I mean, people love that. I mean, that's, that's what you see people sharing on Twitter and everything. Effects work in anime is, is always really cool. That stuff with him falling from the airship was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Just so over the top, crazy, ridiculous. Um, I don't understand who these people are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we, we do learn quite a bit about the Hunter Association and Hunters in this episode. Like, some of some of your questions that you've had are are answered. Like, we, we talked a while about whether or not Hunters could kill examinees. Seems pretty clear that examiners can kill applicants. Oh, man, and what a way to go. I mean, if, if someone's <laughs> going to kill me, can it be Menchie, please? With giant sushi knives? I There's just something about, I don't know, like full on. This was, okay, so we've talked about how, uh, you know, Karupika is pretty. And, you know, even Bart Simpson is 
Kilua is pretty, but this was like over the top, very just outrageously sexy. Yeah, like eye candy for the like. It's like, oh, are are, are we really going there? Because I'm not letting my kid watch this if this is where we're going all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, she was way over the top, like overdone. And then the best part of it is that she actually had personality. Yeah. I think the character's design is a little over the top. And I'll, I'll spoil this ahead of time. I I believe that's about as skimpy as the clothes get in, in sort of a sexy way. Right. I think you see a character's butt at one point. Oh, well, good. I mean, because we're not, we're not watching that kind of anime. That's a completely different subgenre, isn't it? I want to say Yes. <laughs> but no, but I, mean, I know that as soon as I do, someone will be like, well, you forgot about this. And then I'd have to see it, and that would be bad for everyone. I was like, when when they first presented her, like it was like a Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the Oaf type thing, and they completely carried it out, but to much better effect than I thought they would have. Um, because... Like, there was absolutely nothing about Menchie's character that had anything to do with how she was drawn. I don't know about that. I, I, mean, I mean, my initial response to that is, I, I think her, her design at least complements her character, but I'm not 100% sure about that. So you're probably right. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, like, it wasn't a Jessica Rabbit thing. It wasn't a, I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way. You know, it was... You know, she's drawn that way, but she's also an absolute badass and she has her principles and um, she, you know, she doesn't rely on, she didn't at all, like the character itself didn't rely on the fact that it was probably the most visually, you know, like she wasn't just eye candy. Like there was actually something to her character and she actually accomplished not just her own goal, but then... When, you know, when Natero comes in and says, uh, you screwed up, you need to fix this. And we're going to fix this in a way that makes you actually work for it. She took her lumps and she went out and she proved that she was a badass, you know, not just a pretty face. And I think Netero handled that really well. Like it kind of demonstrated what, how, why he was the chairman. Because clearly dealing with Menchi was difficult. That, that as Satote keeps saying is, uh oh, her her bad habit came up again and and Netero just kind of what what was her bad habit oh i think it was just being insanely picky right is yeah, that what it was just kind of a uh, being uh in kind of refusing satisfaction yeah that that okay. that working with her is difficult and yeah well and the thing is like she wasn't just i mean she was 100% absolutely right like she was there was there was some uh what's the dude's name the hell's kitchen dude oh gordon ramsay yeah right there was something like very gordon ramsay about her um she wasn't just dismissing these things outright she's basically like you guys did nothing like you 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 killed the thing you took heat, heat to it and you want me to eat it i mean that's not that wasn't in the spirit of the challenge. You haven't actually done what I asked you to do. You literally did the least amount of work after killing the thing. Uh, and I'm not letting you move forward because you haven't actually accomplished a damn thing by doing what you did. Yeah, I think 
I think that the twist to do kind of like almost a reality cooking show after the previous episode with all of the monsters and the action sequence, they did a good job with that because for me, especially as just the general audience, the ride that the characters are on, um, I very much felt like I was on that ride. It was very much like, wait, now we're doing an episode where we're going to do something goofy and I was a let down at first. And once she started kind of reviewing what they were doing with the food, I was like, okay, I'm getting the point of this. And then once she has to do something and she not only has to cook something, but she has to do something adventurous and very much in the kind of spirit of the opening credit sequence, it all kind of comes full circle. It's not like it was particularly surprising or anything, but I've, they did a really good job. Yeah, and I think they did a really good job of like like Rick said, her her thought process makes sense. Yeah. You know, like like they never make her shrill, they never make her she has a point. It's just what she did wasn't appropriate for the exam. Yeah, she has to rank them. Right. There has somebody has to pass. There was a part of me that kind of bought into her um her justification for failing everyone. It was yeah. only a second, but you know, it, it's like I, I issued a challenge and, and that's the thing. Like we still don't really know what the hunters are supposed to do. Well, we have a, we have a sense of one of the types of hunters now that, that, I mean, we know two of them, right? We know blacklist hunters who hunt, who hunt criminals and, and dangerous people. And we have mm. gourmet hunters. And I feel like we can sort of extrapolate from that, that hunters can be almost anything that's about acquiring something. Acquiring something dangerous. difficult to acquire. Yeah, yeah, something difficult to acquire. Yeah. But that can be anything that's difficult to acquire. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, we actually have a third hunter, right, which was the hunter for hire. But at the same time, it's... You know, I guess that falls into I'll acquire whatever you want me to acquire as long as you pay me, uh, right? Because that's uh, that's what Kurupika and Leorio both want to be in their own way. Yeah, and and I think I think we know that Kurupika and Leorio are a little in the dark about what exactly a hunter is. Like they both have these sort of idealized visions of what it is, but we know by now that it's not that. Uh, I I, I want to say that that it was cool that that uh the Jiminy Cricket dude gets another short moment in the sun. Yeah, yeah, he's up there connecting the wires for the calls and whatnot, and delivering messages. And yeah, so the green dude gets um uh, you know gets another feature in there. Um, I still don't know what the heck he is, and he doesn't have any facial features other than eyes and a mouth. No, I was happy to see him again. Yeah, um, I, I I I like that character design a lot. I just think he's cute and sort of and sort, but also sort of like I don't know, like like very much your reaction. But I like that sort of. I don't know what that is. Yeah, does he serve a purpose other than basically what seems to? I mean, he's like a he's just like a general like hand servant, right? That's what he appears to be. Yeah, I mean he appear. I mean he wears a tuxedo. He's probably like a body man or something like that. Jeeves. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, so the um the the, the chairman I mean 
like really the, the, the thing that struck me the most about the chairman was, uh, I mean, his entrance. Um, I think it actually, like we have all of these assumptions that we've made or that I've made anyways, about these characters having some sort of like innate natural ability uh, that goes above and beyond the, the normal. Right. Um, right. Uh, Hisoka is, I mean, his sleight of hand is ridiculous uh, to the point that, you know, he cuts a perfect circle through attackers uh, and they all just fall right where they were standing before anybody knew what happened. Well, he turns to smoke. Yeah. Yeah, um, which is inexplicable, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, the uh, the Pharaoh Savant, he actually, you know, he can smell people from kilometers away. You know, like, they all have, like, superhuman ability. But jumping, like, skydiving, how how many stories did he jump out of that airship? To, to interrupt the exam. He landed on one foot also. Yeah. I mean, that goes beyond superhuman to like full-on supernatural. Yeah, it's a weird juxtaposition to have him be somehow, he feels indestructible. To have uh, the clown be, you know, magical and ethereal uh, and terrifying. To have the big guy in this one who's just gigantic and so much larger than even the wrestler. Who's a big guy. Yeah, who was a big guy. Yeah, and was presented as a big guy when he was introduced. So there's just, uh, you know, it's definitely a universe that physics and things like that are not not what they are for us. I am interested when there does appear to be limitations. And then suddenly there there aren't. That's one of the weird things about this for me. Like, the way the characters act and the way the characters think, I find fascinating. But sometimes the introduction of the characters' abilities being so drastically beyond what I assume are the abilities of some of the other characters in the same universe, it it makes it hard for me to tell when someone's actually in danger. Uh when something is really difficult, right? you know? Along those same lines, um, you know, is this, cause we're, 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 we're going through the exam portion of becoming a hunter right now. Right. I mean, the, these, these candidates, um, what is it? Like there's like a hundred left at this point. Yeah. Like a hundred and, hundred and some, yeah. Yeah. So, um, 140, I think, was was the count at one point yeah. coming into the episode or at the end of the last episode. Um, but, I mean, are we to understand, or, like, is it possible that any of these characters could potentially at some point through their training, right? Because this isn't even, like, we're going to make you a hunter. This is, we're going to allow you to train to become a hunter if you pass this exam. Mm, I, I, we don't know that. Uh, well, I mean, but I that's... mean, we know we they're they are trying to get their hunter license. Yeah, so I think if they you pass know. the exam; they are a hunter. Well, but yeah. does the association like I, I don't know? So like when when I when I passed my CompTIA exam, you know, I, I all of a sudden I got my CompTIA number and I got all of this access to to all this technical, you know, these technical libraries. Um, that were there to support me as a uh, as, as a hardware technician, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So when they pass the hunter exam and they get their hunter license, does the association support them with, uh, you know, knowledge and training? Uh, and, and is there a way to like study to be as bad as badass as, uh, as the chairman? I don't know. They do obviously associate with each other though. I mean, because Satat sticks around and watches, um, which I thought was a weird detail he checks up on them and, and, and sees that it's not going great and kind of, he's the one that notifies Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. So there's an element of like, they're obviously still involved with one another. So Tots knows them by name. You know, they are all super familiar with the chairman, obviously. So, uh, you know, I don't know anything about like on the job training or furthering your skills necessarily through the organization, but one, it, it it leads me to believe that there probably aren't that many people who are hunters. Yeah, well, I mean, we can we can sort of surmise that from how quickly people have dropped out, right? Yeah, but they do it once a year, and there were like four hundred and fifty people per year. Yeah, but let's let's say I mean we're already down to one tenth, essentially, of the starting people. Oh, for sure, for sure. And this isn't the last phase of the exam. Right, yeah. but I also don't know. Is like, is this the uh, the hunters' association for a particular region of the world? Is it global? Um, is this is this Hogwarts, or is it the school in North America, or is it some kind of overarching? Is this the Zabon chapter of the of the hunters' association? Right. So I, I don't know that necessarily either. But I always assumed there were few of them, but I was surprised by the kind of familiarity yeah the camaraderie yeah that they had there's five known hunters at this point right there's there's jing there's the chairman there's uh bahura menshi and and satats right so we know that there's at least five of them that's not a very big group to keep track of there has been a certain amount of exposition as to you know who is allowed to be examiners you already have to be a hunter they they rotate examiners every year. So, you know, I'm hoping it's not the same five always doing the exams. No, we know it's not. The examiners and the, and the exam change every year. We know that. Yeah. We know that whoever it was, Hisoka, potentially almost killed in the previous test is probably, we're not going to run into that hunter in this test. Um, like they made it clear, like because they do rotate them out, and the test itself is very different, that almost killing an examiner is not a disqualifying thing because you're probably not going to run into them in another year. So that's why I'm saying, like, I'm assuming there are probably thousands of hunters. I was surprised that these five were so fam- familiar to one another. Maybe they're just, you know, they don't ask like, hey, you know, Joe Schmo passed the exam and he's a hunter. He's an all right guy, but I don't think he's good enough to be an examiner. You know, maybe there's a pool of like, you know, 30 or 50 or 15 or whatever, like really top, you know, the top hunters there are. They are the ones that rotate through being examiners. I don't know. We know that there's at least, actually, we know that there's at least 50 hunters because Leorio says that when Forbes puts out its top 100 richest people on the planet list that 50 of the 50 uh, more of them, than, more than half are hunters more than half are hunters so we know there are right. at least 50 hunters 
Okay. So I, I'm assuming there's actually a decent number of them. Um, obviously small, but it's kind of like saying like how many NFL players are there? Like yeah. there's quite a number of them really, but right, based on the world population, it's a very, very small amount. I, I was thinking more, uh, you know, the FCC licensing exam for amateur operators um, where like, you know, you can get your FCC license by taking the test, but the test is actually uh, has to be administered by three volunteer examiners and the volunteer examiners actually have to pass a separate test in order to become volunteer examiners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Where, like, you know, it's completely self-contained. The uh, the examiners are all operators, uh, and and the examiners are the are the gatekeepers for the new operators. And you can't become one until you've become the other. Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty good uh, analogy. Yeah, and I think I think that's exactly what's happening here. I just we don't know if there's another test to become an examiner, right? Yeah. Or if all you need to do is become a hunter. Well, and I think that if you, you know, if there is a test to become an examiner or like if you become an examiner, like there has to be, there has to be a conclave, right? Like, like there has to be a, a Senate or something where the examiners get together and say. Definitely. There's yeah, a chairman. If, if there's a chairman, he's, he's the chairman of some kind of a board, some kind of a group. Yeah. Now, is he the chairman? Of the Hunter Association. Of, yeah, he's yeah. of the association, not of the examiners. He's also the the head of, of the examiners. He's the one running the exam. Yeah, I think it's, it's like because he's chairman, role. he runs the exam. Right, right, right. Because right. he sort of mentions, usually I stay behind the scenes. Yeah, until, you know, somebody decides to fail everybody in phase two. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of a weird thing as well, because uh, we are, this is our sixth episode. Again... For the type of tests they're given to be so drastically different from anything else that they've experienced, but also that we've been led to believe is going to be the type of test you would take, to having these two very differently eccentric uh, <laughs> examiners, eccentric in a totally strange and different way from from Satat's, and then we also meet the chairman in the same episode. It. This episode and he's also eccentric, right? Oh, of course, but but this episode had a feeling of theater of the could, absurd. Yes, it had a feeling of absurdity, but it also had a feeling of of oh, I hope they're not going to do too much in this single episode. And they didn't. They they didn't, but I had that fear. Right. Yeah. From almost from get-go. I had a strong aversion to uh, Minchi and her design. For me, Minchi's design was incredibly distracting. You used the example of like a, a Jessica Rabbit, and I think it's not a terrible example. But Jessica Rabbit it plays on an established Western animation trope, mm -hmm. and Who Framed Roger Rabbit is set in a particular time period when that trope was really strong. Um, she is based on kind of a Tex Avery, Little Red Riding Hood, um, you know, sexy cartoon girl archetype. And Minchi is obviously, she fits that kind of sexy anime girl archetype. It just felt out of place in the rest of the cartoon. Well, but everything about her was out of place. I, I'll agree with that. Um, but it, it felt, uh, it felt unnecessary. Yeah, it is a little weird that the first sort of powerful woman that we we've, meet we've 
that is, we meet is is, is dressed in a <laughs> fishnet Dukes. top, tiny tiny shorts and thigh highs. And she does have a character. She's not uh, particularly one dimensional or anything. Uh, the things that she accomplishes and the things that she's expecting, and even the way the examinees, the the participants treat her, they don't uh spend a, a lot of the episode kind of overly sexualizing her although Netero takes a takes a good look no he does and it's an incredibly <laughs> Which, inappropriate moment yeah i know um, it's just like oh come on <laughs> uh, but yeah you know again like i don't uh was that look creepier than the look that hisoka gave leorio and gon in the last episode uh no because one of them was um, obviously overstepping his expression of the basic kind of sexual attraction, and the other guy was kind of getting off on murder. Uh, so <laughs> definitely, like, one of them is creepier than the other one, but neither of them are really great. But when I was in high school, the the crew of kids I hung out with all wanted to be skaters, and there was a brand of skating gear called Hookups. Mm-hmm. That was like super popular with us because it was a bunch of t-shirts and a bunch of skate board decks and a bunch of skating, you know, accoutrement that had your typical sexy anime girl on it. And a lot That's of them hilarious. were a lot of them were, were incredibly shittily drawn as well. Right. So it was like the lowest common denominator type stuff. And that company's still in business. You can look them up like that's still their M.O. But. It's it, it felt it just felt juvenile, um, in an inappropriate kind of a way, uh, and I found it distracting. It made me view her actions in a way, in a negative way that was not particularly necessary. And the truth of the matter is, is the truth of the matter is a a a, a woman and a female character in fiction can be sexy and can be sexualized and still have that not be their only defining characteristic and her and that's not her only defining characteristic but i found myself questioning like why is she so picky well but that's why actually is she why she's so I liked demanding her. again I, I i appreciate that and i don't disagree with it rick but because of the exposure i have had to anime mm-hmm. and just to cartoons in general and this kind of depiction of uh, women all having a very similar body shape and women all being kind of overly sexualized and right. the the trope in anime of old men leering at much younger women, um, whatever good was in the character, I it took me a long time to come around to it. Well, but I mean, the dirty old man trope isn't an anime trope. It's well, it's 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 especially prevalent. In anime, yeah, I mean that's all I know about Dragon Ball Z. Okay, I mean, and 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 the reason the reason I say that it's not it's not an anime trope is because I mean this is really my my first my first like foray into actual anime in in serial form. That's not you know something that my kid wants me to watch Pokemon, Digimon, that kind of stuff. And I mean, I know the dirty old man trope exists because it's prevalent in not not just in Western media but in Western society. Oh, for sure. Sure, but it's not always played for cuteness in the way it is in a lot of anime. Okay. Like, we're definitely, 
one of the things I think that Netero being sort of purient in his interest of Menchi is is that it so- is that it softens him a little because like I feel like the expectation is he's going to jump down and he's going to be this cool badass, right? But he's not. He's just this goofy horny old man. And he's got to perv out for a second before he does business. Yeah, and the way she presents herself throws him off. I don't even know if it throws him off. It makes him a little less intimidating. Well, it does it does it he does take pause to act it though. Yeah. You know, and that alone is a power. But that's not that's not Menchie's fault that that he's a perv and and I think No, that no, that... no. Again, I'm not question again, I'm not questioning the character, I'm questioning the artist. But okay, so there's a there's another podcast. Um I'm sure that you guys are familiar with it, the the TEDx series and there's a TED Radio Hour where yeah, they yeah. usually do interviews with uh two or three of the the TED I talkers. I think everybody knows TED. I hope everybody knows Ted. Um, Let's assume that. Okay. So there's actually an episode where they're interviewing, um, they're interviewing a Ted talker and um, she's basically talking about how it's ridiculous that women in the workplace, like if you're too pretty, nobody expects anything from you. Um, But then if you're not pretty enough, nobody likes you. It's like this horrible, disgusting position that that they get put in. And I think that and I don't know if the the I don't know the source material, so I don't know how I don't know how she was drawn, how men she was drawn in the source material. So exactly the same, almost exactly the same. Yeah. So, I mean, I think maybe in my mind, when I saw the way she was drawn and then I saw how she stuck to her guns and how Bahura backed her up. Um, even though she was completely capable of, of protecting herself. And that part really pissed me off is like, you know, she's a hunter just like you are, dude. Back the fuck up. Uh, and no, then you realize. No, no, no. You, you misread that exchange. No, no, no. The the next part, my, my next comment is, you know, oh, you were actually saving him from her. Got it. Um, yeah. But, the, by, but my initial read was, what the hell? And it's like, oh, okay. You were protecting him, not her. And I think that's what you're supposed to think is. Initially, I really think it's played like that. Now, mm-hmm. uh, let's let's broaden our scope a little because I think a lot of this, ep- I think this episode was pretty silly, but not in like a bad way. It, it like like it was just it was a little more elastic mm-hmm. than especially the last episode where everything felt very present and very dangerous. Here, there didn't seem to be any particular threat to our main cast. No, and when you talk about elastic, it, it's kind of funny. There's been a couple of comments that that have been made. Um, we, we, you know, and elastic is just another one. Oh my God, how much food did Bahura have to put away? A hundred and fifty of those uh, stamp pigs. I don't think everybody managed to catch one of those pigs. They sent a yeah. lot of people into the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but still, okay. Let how many stoves were there? Were there like fifty of them? Let's let's say there are seventy of them. Let's say let's say half managed to get one of the one of the great stamp. Yeah, I mean he's still pretty freaking elastic to put that much yeah. food away because because it is oh, yeah. it is very obvious that he is the only one eating because you know the the Menchie's thing is like she won't even deem to to eat it because it's literally just you put it on a spit you put heat to it 
it's garbage. You haven't done anything. And she takes one bite the entire time. And I liked how she could tell what was wrong with it just by looking at it. To me, that spoke to her, uh, to her skill, to her ability. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she only took a bite out of, out of Kurapika's because it looked like Kurapika had, had actually put some effort in, but nope. Kurapika just sliced it up, sliced it up, up bad yeah. meat and put some pineapple. He literally put lipstick on a pig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, but I think that, I, I think that, that sort of goofy elasticity carries throughout the entire episode, especially the hunt for, yeah. for the pork. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite part of the episode was when they go out to find the pigs. Um, I like the the design of the pigs. I think they're really funny and whimsical. Um, and that whole entire action sequence was really kind of enjoyable. I love when they first see the great stamp and Alira is like, it's chewing on bones. <laughs> and then there's that crunching sound effect and it just, I don't know, it makes me laugh. It, it, it really does. And I like the humor in it, it in this show a lot. And I feel like this episode did a lot to sort of bring that to the forefront yeah yeah this is the goofy episode of of Mm -hmm. the six we've watched this one is the one that is uh, everything about it felt like it was meant to be comedic you know and i don't want to be like a a stick in the mud or something like that about minji i think she's a good character um and i came around to it um but it was off-putting at first was my only point no no i think you made that point but yeah, and, and, yeah. and honestly, I mean, I, I do agree that when you look at her on the screen, it completely sets up a different expectation. Let's talk about the hunt a little more. The pig hunt? Yeah, the pig hunt. Because I feel like a lot of stuff happens there uh, that, that sort of gets covered up in the, in the goofiness. Um, one thing is, is that no one would have beaten them if it wasn't for Gone. Yeah, I mean, definitely nobody in the area with him. And I, I wish we could have seen, and maybe we did and I just missed it, but I don't feel like we see Hisoka get one. I assume he does. Yeah. But you don't see it. But I love the moment where everyone else is running around and trying to do things, and then Gon figures it out, and then it cuts to these shots of everyone else watching him. Right. And and they like their eyes light up and they smile. It's it's a good moment. It's very funny. Well, and it's repeated later. It's repeated when they go to the to Split Mountain. Absolutely. And, uh, they all wait for him to drop. I think word has gotten around that Gon's a feral savant, that he's he's able to operate in ways that maybe some other people aren't. He definitely has some insights that other people don't. Um and we've seen that up to this point as well, you know, like he just has this sense for things, whether it's the smell, whether, whether it's just this blind trust that just keeps paying off. Um, he definitely has a sense for it, for, for stuff that's going on around him and and other people picked up on it this time around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he seems to be able to see things pretty clearly. Yeah. And I think, I think they, they pick up on it definitely after they've all gotten their pigs. Oh yeah. Like they saw him solve that riddle. So when he jumps down and hangs on, there's that one guy who doesn't do it right, but everyone else is still watching him. 
because like that's right. the pig guy. Like even I, I don't I don't know that they've that like the legend of like his incredible sense of smell and all that stuff is necessarily. But uh, he's the pig guy. He's the pig guy. Like <laughs> like he knows the pig things. Like we're gonna we're gonna watch pig guys lead. He's got he's got an angle on this, you know. But why? Uh, but why watch the pig guy? Because he solved the other problem. Right, but Menchi showed him exactly what to do for the eggs. Why? Why is it gone? Why? Why not her? Well, because she does it by herself, and she doesn't explain anything about it. She doesn't explain. Well, she got You got to wait for the updraft. You got to. You know. You got to time this just right. Well, and she kind of shouts after them. She's like, "Wait, I'm not done explaining." Well, absolutely, absolutely, she does. Yeah, but they're following Pig Guy's lead. Yeah, you know, and they—that's—that's that's what got them. That's what got them the pig. You know, um, and I'm sure some of them, you know, probably noticed how he made it through other things too. I mean, again, him and and uh, Kilua were the first ones through the tunnel. You know, everybody else that made it through the tunnel knew. You know. Who who made it in out of there before them? Yeah, I just yeah. I'm not always looking to fellow students or fellow. Yeah, I mean I'm not looking to 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 other hopefuls. I'm not looking to my peer group for those ideas most of the time, and and that's that's me. Um, you know, I would I would look at the examiner. I would look at the expert. I would try to figure out what the heck they did. Um, and it kind of bothers me uh, that instead of Instead of paying attention to the the hunter who is good enough not just to be a hunter, but also good enough to be an examiner, and instead of paying attention to them, they paid attention to the twelve year old kid who solved another problem. It rubs me the wrong way. I, yeah, but the examiners aren't teachers. No, they're not. But they obviously know more than the twelve year old candidate. Sure, they do. But if if she hadn't been forced to participate paying attention to her during the first part of the, the exam, aside from her dissatisfaction, none of them were getting a lesson out of that. Um, they probably, they probably should have. Yeah. The only person that got anything from that was Karupika and, and, and they still failed miserably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's like, okay, you know, the, the tables have kind of been turned. Uh, Menchie's no longer an examiner. Uh, they're now a participant. The chairman has basically taken over this phase of the exam. I don't know that I'm going to look at one of the other candidates to figure out what to do. I'm going to look at the person who's already passed the test. I just don't know why they didn't. Well, I, I think they did. I mean, they did see what she did. But um, the only person that paid enough attention to what, what they did was, was gone. I mean... But he didn't it, pay enough attention. He He had a sixth sense about the updraft he had his his you know wild feral instincts he, he had his gift whatever it is to to kind of lead him through because remember everyone jumps on and hangs on like menchie did mm -hmm. and then one right. of them's like i'm going and he lets go and he grabs an egg and he falls probably to his death presumably yeah everyone's like okay well now what <laughs> And Gon's the one who figures out the next step in it, which Menchi had not had a chance to explain. Right. Because of their eagerness. So you're right. They should have stuck around and listened to Menchi, and it probably would have been a much easier process. But in lieu of that, they followed the pig guy. 
but I don't think she was obligated in any way to explain beyond the demonstration. No, but it was clear that she had more to say. Uh, well, that is true. That is true. It is, it is It is clear she had more to say, and they did not listen. And I think that that goes back to the trope that we were talking about earlier. You know, it's like, she's the pretty girl. You know, don't don't listen to the pretty girl that is an absolute badass. Listen to the 12-year-old kid that paid attention to the pretty girl who's an absolute badass. I'm not saying that he doesn't have natural talent. I'm not saying that he didn't use his sixth sense. I'm saying that he saw what she did, and then he figured out how she did it. And then everybody had just followed him instead of everybody else basically watching her and seeing what she did. Yeah, and I think I I I I, I think that's valid. Could we talk really fast about Hisoka in this episode because he doesn't do much, but there's a lot of stuff around him that I think is pretty interesting. I honestly didn't even know he was in this episode. He's there at the very beginning. When He's there at the beginning. Gone and Karapika catch up with everybody and they're not too late. And he points uh, out where, where... Where he's dropped off Leorio, yeah. Right. He's also in those crowd scenes when Menchi is is failing them. And What is he doing in those crowd scenes? Because I wasn't able to track him. He's just smiling and sort, of, and sort of watching, but when she fails all of them and she's like, too bad you failed, he pulls out a card. Oh, yeah, he does. I remember that now. Yeah, there's an yeah. element where you th- he's going to kill her. Yeah, he's like, well, <laughs> I failed anyway. Yeah, I've got nothing to lose now. Yeah. Or or possibly even he makes the assumption that everyone else makes about uh, uh, both her and, was it Bahura? Yeah. That they, that somehow whatever it is that it means to be a gourmet hunter is not someone who does what they've been doing and what they expect to do as hunters. I mean, there is an element that, like, whatever it is they're interested in is not the action-oriented, adventure fighting monsters element that they've come to expect. So maybe he's going to, maybe his thought process was not, I failed, I should, I'm just going to go ahead and go buck wild. Maybe his thought process was, well, if I failed my test, let's see if you can pass mine. And again, stay your lane. I mean, it's still going buck wild, but 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 it right, definitely but but has... it's but it plays into the way he felt in episode five, where suddenly he had kind of set up his own test. You know, I'm the examiner right. now. Well, clearly he he plays by his own rules, and Obviously. apparently that's acceptable in the Hunters Association. I mean, it seems to be definitely a place for people who play by their own rules. It can't be completely, though, because they do step in and make sure that Menchi doesn't fail everybody. Yeah, but they didn't, like, take Menchi out. They didn't not let her do better. Yeah, I don't know, but I don't know how you... Uh, he almost killed an examiner, you know, and he's he's yeah. attempted... He, he's, he attempted to kill another one. Yeah, I mean, maybe what he was attempting to do was ju- to just prove that Satats was Satats. And he knew Satats was really in no danger. So then why pull out the card at all if he... Right, when he pulls out the card on Minji, yeah, it, it feels like he just wants to kill. It, it's weird that the chairman is like, hey, Minji, you made the test too hard. And he doesn't yeah. turn around and be like, oh, you're the crazy guy that tried to kill somebody last year. We should have let you in. I'm sorry. Here, <laughs> let's remove you now. Like, you shouldn't be here. Yeah, I mean, I think we have a lot of evidence that that's not how it works. 
No, but it's weird. It's weird that I mean, I, I mean, I guess they they want people to pass. God, do they want people to pass? That doesn't seem to be the point at all. It, yeah, it's I don't a know. weird. It's a weird. It's a weird. Again, this episode is really weird. I think we kind of started out saying like, now that these things have happened, we've got a better understanding of what hunters are. I feel like I have a less of an understanding. Yeah. Of of what this reality is now. Okay. My feeling is is that it answered some questions while asking more. I, I feel like it it clarified more of the wider universe. Like we we you get kind of a bigger scope of like how you know like the hunters do know each other and some of them are very familiar with one another and there is some kind of a command structure and there are obviously some rules but it for every it's like we were looking in a book of riddles and instead of solving the riddle what happened was like four other books of riddles were opened and it's like now we got a lot of riddles you know like we I don't know. I I like that. I like it when things no, ask I do questions too. I and, do too. and don't like like I think that's really you know you've you've mentioned good storytelling for a while, but I think giving us these these little fits and spurts of information. For example, we find out who is talking to Hisoka in in the last episode, who told yeah. him how to get get to the thing. It's Pinhead. Mm. Yeah, Pinhead that's weird. is the one who told him who. who what's going on with Pinhead? <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I'd be so it's it's surprising to me that they would be allied. Yeah. I mean considering we didn't know he could talk. Well, it just feels like it's too much uh like too many their personalities appear even though Pinhead never spoke. Visually, definitely their personalities were both so strong. You know, it's kind of like the idea of like, you know, like a couple of Batman villains really teaming up together and and it working out. You know, like there's two two strong personalities. They're they're too strong. They're kind of aligned for very long. But the fact that they have like matching walkie talkies or whatever, they're obviously coordinating. That's that's very weird. Yeah, and and that actually made me think again. It's like, is he a double agent? You know, are is he really? Are they already part of the association? And and are they just kind of there to? Are they plants with the with the rest of the candidates? I mean, Hisoka seems pretty confident that he's going to pass this year. Or maybe he passed last year and he's there just to screw things up. Or maybe he's just really confident because he has allies. Yeah. Maybe this is the first ally of many. We have no idea. There's yeah. not a lot of that the information we gave you is wrong in Hunter Hunter. Yeah, I feel like it's less about subterfuge and more about omission. Yeah. Or or like or even about building. Like that you just you don't have the full picture or there is an element that will come in and change your understanding. Right. That generally it plays it pretty straight with the facts. But have we decided that that Tongpa is uh trustworthy? Oh, he's definitely not, but it seems as though he was telling the truth about at least some of the people he introduced Gon and Leorio to, or that Gon Kurapika and Leorio to, be, because his aim wasn't was to get them to trust him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the things he was saying were things that 
he could say freely and honestly, and it wouldn't give away his his motives. And then a lot of the other things he says about the characters that he doesn't directly introduce them are is all kind of inner monologue things. And even if he's exaggerating because, you know, when you talk to yourself, you know, you don't you paint the world through your own eyes kind of thing. Yeah, everyone else is the villain. Right. But still, there would be no reason for him to be lying to himself just to cause confusion to the audience of the anime he's in. Um, you know, I guess. <laughs> uh, uh, any final thoughts? Th- this was actually the first episode that I watched with my kid. What did your kid think about it? He he really liked it. Um he he got into it. Uh he he liked the uh he liked the hunting sequence. He thought uh, he thought that everything that uh Bahura did was like way over the top. Uh just the way like he cleaned all those bones and everything. Really he really enjoyed it. Um and then he um he asked me if I'd ever heard of something called Naruto. Uh, and asked if I would watch that with him. Um, so we've made a deal uh, to watch awesome. that and this. But yeah, no, he uh, he really enjoyed it. I was I was a little concerned when Menchie came on the screen because, you know, 12-year-old child and Menchie on the screen. Uh, and the, the chairman's reaction to Menchie, I think, is, you know, every 12-year-old boy's reaction to anything drawn that way. So that was a little like, oh, I wish I had known. But no, he uh, he he thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the episode, and uh, he's looking forward to seeing some more. Uh, so we're going to make it a regular part of uh, of our visits. Awesome. Well, definitely have him come back and uh, and tell us uh, what what he thinks. And uh, if you want to tell us what you think, we are available on SavvyXPod on Instagram and Twitter. We are SavvyXPod at gmail.com and sadiexpod.com will give you all of our updates. <laughs>